Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 146. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. So in today's episode, we've got some news and some comics, but why don't we start with some news flash. Batwoman uh, on the CW has been recast um, with LaVicia Leslie, who is uh, bisexual and black. Um, she will be taking over the titular role. Um, she is taking over, she is not gonna be kind of playing Ruby Rose's role, which I believe was Kate uh, Kane. Kathy Kane, Kathy Kane. Uh, Kathy Kane. Uh, I'm more familiar with her, so we're really good friends, so I call her Kate. (laughs) (laughs) So Leslie will be playing uh, Ryan Wilder, who is a new character to the show. Um, But the way that they kind of, like, they reported how she is going to be different kind of sounds like a dig at Ruby Rose. So it's like, they say, quote, she's not your stereotypical all-American hero, because she is likable, messy, a little goofy and untamed. And I really feel like that likable uh, <laughs> is kind of an attack on Ruby. Underscore, um, underline, 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 <laughs> likable. Yeah. So apparently she spent years evading the Gotham City police as a drug runner and uh, is like, you know, your typical uh, chaotic good type, uh, chaotic neutral-ish type character. I am now very interested in Batwoman and you know I was kind of before um before the show started and I heard like mediocre reviews because a lot of the CW shows are really not up my alley anymore um I I definitely watched the first few seasons of Arrow and Flash and then I just kind of got bored but now like I am very intrigued that I will give at least the new season the second season of Batwoman at least three episodes um based on the fact that you know CW is and DC are putting, you know, uh, they're definitely taking a chance here in a good way. Um, and I like that they're keeping the, uh, making sure that the actress is still queer and then they're getting a little bit more diversity in, in the cast as well. So good for that. I, I saw one of the interviews with the showrunner and what I also appreciated was the fact that they had already started writing or plotting out some of the second season. And then when obviously uh, everything happened and Ruby Rose left the show, they were like, oh, we could have just done the stereotypical soap opera, you know, plug and play. And they were like, no, this is a big opportunity for us to actually tell a different story. And honestly, probably one that fits a little bit better with CW's audience and all like, especially the viewers of these kind of shows. Because I think in general, I kind of, I watched up to probably like one or two before the season before Infinite Crisis or Crisis on Infinite Earths was like the, the shows do better. I think when they just embrace kind of the weird goofiness and I, one of the flattest parts of the crossover where Batman was introduced was not by any fault of Ruby Rose's acting. I think was just that like, when you have that level of a budget trying to do very serious drama and this happened to Arrow sort of at season after season, like, it was never going to be a dramatic crime procedural. So like, it just doesn't, it just didn't fit for me. I never ended up getting to watch the original season yet of Batwoman, but like, I know obviously, you know, Clark, you love to talk about how shitty the ratings are, but it just, it feels like a good fresh start for them. Cause obviously it wasn't necessarily like a successful property to begin with. And I think this might, A, it just might do a lot to garner additional viewers and, and hopefully kind of flip, flip it up to, cause the flash to me is their biggest, and most interesting show where it balances really nicely the comedy and the emotional aspects. Whereas, you know, Legend of Tomorrow is probably too quirky for its own good in some cases, cause it's not that funny. And then Arrow, I think has consistently just been too serious that it's the, which is very odd, which is off for me. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, we'll definitely kind of pick up watching it or just at least keep an eye on it. Um, but very excited for the actress. Today on CW for a second, uh, Stargirl, which is wrapping up its first season on both uh, DCU and CW, has been renewed for a second season, and it's making the migration just to CW. So DCU will not be carrying it anymore uh, when the second season starts, uh, which tells me that a lot of the original content of from like live action shows just won't be on DCU moving forward. They may still do animated stuff like Harley Quinn, I think has been doing okay on there. 
Um, you know, they've had Young Justice, which has been, you know, uh, is a cult favorite. Um, I like the DCU app a lot, mostly because it has just like a plethora of like a bunch of old DC comics um, throughout the ages. Uh, and it's got a bunch of the animated series that I really dug back in the 90s and the aughts uh, and even some of the movies. But clearly, you know, I think Stargirl's, Stargirl's migration like just tells me that um, DC does not, or Warner does not want to take a chance on DCU anymore as an app for original content. The um, CW just got rid of um, Katie Keene, which was like the spinoff of uh, Riverdale. And I, oh, they, right. they have, they're, they're just ripping stuff down from there, which they never do. They never cancel a show after one season. It's like unheard of them in the last 10 years to do so, really, almost. And the fact that they're doing that, they're definitely bringing over as much um, stuff from DC Universe as possible, including they're going to do reruns of that piece of crap, um, uh, shoot, Swamp Thing. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, God. Yikes, yeah. that was not good. They're just, just that, that DC Universe is, seems to be sinking ship at the at, right now. I was just about yeah, to say, sure. I thought Swamp Thing was like the, is the reason why DCU, fa like that kind of failed, I think, for live action after, you know, Titans and Doom Patrol are both really interesting, but I, I felt like they were like, well, now we don't have enough live action series to really keep the motivation going for us. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure if Doom Patrol gets renewed for season three, it'll probably just be an HBO Max show. I can yeah. see Titans, even season three, being moved to just HBO Max as well. Uh, although it's not quite as interesting as Doom Patrol. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I guess I was just, just going to say, I do wonder about the, this is more of an HBO Max thing, but like from a creative perspective, because I feel like so far, we're not, we're not doing an episode of Doom Patrol this week, but I think in general, the second season has felt even like crisper and more kind of invested. So I just, I, I wonder if Titans might benefit from that as well as having more exposure and cross coverage. They might put more time into it since it's now on Max as opposed to just a DC or so. I, I wouldn't count on it. I, I think it's, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I think that the shows actors and, yeah, the actors and writers on Doom Patrol are just a cut above yeah, uh, those on Titans. So I don't think hey. the, Change, if the, the the potential change in platforms, I don't think will necessarily mean yeah. a, a surge in quality. But we've got a bunch of DC news. Um, it looks like Warner wants to do yet another Constantine movie. If you remember, they did one in 2005 with Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves excuse me, playing playing the titular role um, where they recast him as an American. I remember it was controversial, but the movie is actually not bad from a 2005 perspective. And then you had the but compared uh, to most movies, it's terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of enjoyed I kind of enjoyed it uh, at the time, and uh, I don't know how well it holds up. But then, obviously, they recast uh, Constantine uh, in his short-lived NBC show, and then uh, he migrated over to the uh, again the CW Arrowverse shows. He's like uh, I think a mainstay on Legends of Tomorrow. Yep. Um, so they're going to try to do a new Constantine movie, and they want to keep it totally similar to the Justice League Dark show that I believe will be on HBO Max, which will feature a lot of the uh, more mystical characters teaming up together uh, to fight, you know, the forces of evil and darkness. So I don't know what that means, but, um, you know, I know off podcast, Adam, you said that they, you hope that they keep Constantine's queerness uh, front and center, and I, I hope they do as well. Uh, I think they've definitely done that on the CW shows. Um, yeah, but, I mean, you know, the entire, I hope they make it more explicit now. No, right. The entire plot line from, I think, Legends of Tomorrow, the third season, if I'm not mistaken, is when Constantine joins the team, his, like, it's a love, it's a male love interest that is kind of turned into the big bad or at least kind of taken by the big bad in, in a perspective. So, like, and, 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 obviously in uh what is it justice league doomsday war the final movie for the dc animated universe um there's a specific reference to uh king shark being constantine's ex so that was like a like not like literally not shit you know like people were just like oh he definitely like, he bought him for king shark like it was just like a very not like it that's was, what they said no, but it was it was pretty. It was like very upfront and center. That like DW is getting graphic. That was their yeah. Like they, they were sexual yeah, we illusions as opposed down to by King Shark. Yeah, no, it was it was really impressive to have them pull that out. And like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a throwaway homophobic joke. It felt like a, oh no, these are the characters. And like yeah, sure, sure, this like 
uh, bi or pansexual like demon hunter had sex with this shark that is a person, <laughs> this anthropomorphic shark. So they're really going out all out. So I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, um, I just watched uh, The Devil's Advocate on uh, Netflix because it's been a while since I've seen that movie. And I love that. He like is basically hired by his father, who is the devil, to kind of get this big time law firm in New York, you know, the city of sin. Oh, that's what that movie's about. And <laughs> I like to imagine at the end, you know, that he he later decides, you know what, I've got to fight evil in all of its forms, and that is that's what a prequel into Constantine. I love it. I, yeah, I, I actually do believe that's what Warner Brothers were thinking in 2005, because like Devil's Advocate came out in 97 and 98. So yeah. it's like, yeah, why not? Apparently Constantine, or not Constantine, Keanu Reeves is apparently like pretty easy to work with too. Like directors love him, like other casts love him. Like he's like super chill. I think that's one of the reasons why he gets recast over and over again. It's also very attractive with age especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you yeah, ever definitely... seen him have sex in anything? Any gay stuff? Not that I can... Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Have oh, we ever seen it... him be gay in anything? We do see his butt in, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. In... But is he being oh. gay in it? Was, no, he, was he in my, pri my own private Idaho? I don't know. I've never heard of that movie. That was a Gus Van Zandt movie. Um, well, think, then, yeah. I don't know. I got <laughs> I gotta look at it. it. That came out like back in like the early '90s. Um, Hold like, on, research definitely... guy is on it. Okay. Who's googling? Me. Hey, keep talking. All right. The thing about well... Keanu Reeves is, <laughs> <laughs> what could be said that has him? He was in my own private Idaho. All right. I like how he didn't. Galen. I like how he didn't call Winona Ryder a whore a bunch of times on the set of Dracula. Wait, did, did he hear that? that? No, he, he didn't. Did. He did not. Oh. That was the news story? <laughs> it was. It was. Reports it was confirmed. Yep. We know he did who not did call her a whore. <laughs> it was true. He I did didn't... not call her a whore. She was very happy with that. That's, you know, that's a little I know more, you all the other part of that story out just because it makes it more confusing this way. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, so Brent, I think you've got it. This might be stupid, but. Oh God, this might be stupid. Uh, this is definitely stupid because it's from the fucking rumor mill. <laughs> might be a Justice League rebirth movie, movie series that kind of ignores all the stuff that, you know, happened in the Zack Snyder version of the DC universe. So like I never read Rebirth, but it was the it in 2016 it kind of launched an entire you know reset of the DC universe kind of taking over from the new 52 and um the only reason why I enjoy it is that I I don't think you could you've ever, I guess they've accomplished it in some regards in many movie series, but the fact that they were able to, um, they would actually reboot a universe kind of idea that, I don't know, it just seems more, if it actually passed, which I don't think it will, but like it seems relatively ambitious as opposed to just sort of the soft remakes that usually happen. So like if you watch the Flashpoint, I mean the Flashpoint story in the comics, but also the cartoon, um, was built to create the, the animated universe uh, that most recently happened for DC. So it was, it was exciting to see that. Um, and, and it's needed because the DC movies are not good and the universe is not strong. And so I'd rather it become something that could be good, but I don't know how they escape the mistakes of the past essentially, like, and not- Well, I, I just, I think it's just so funny that like, um, Warner is putting so much oomph behind Zack Snyder's Justice yes. League for HBO Max. And then now all of a sudden they're talking about it. It's like, it's clear that like, this is a company where like the various arms don't talk to one another. Right. It's like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And it's just so funny that it just comes out off, you know, in like 
you know, in the press that like, well, we're also thinking about this. It's like, why do you have three different jokers running around, you know, doing this? It's like all their like production stuff is so, um, so, uh, um, you know, uh, is just really problematic. So I don't know. I mean, that, that's why DC Universe exists. And we also have HBO Max and we're shoving everything over to CW because they don't know what the fuck they're doing ever. They're just trying to do a bunch of stuff and hopefully something makes money. Um, it's very had a fluke with, with Aquaman making money. So they're like, how can we bring uh, that back around into something but make him not be the same one he was in the other one? I don't know. Let's shove it around. Exactly. <laughs> All nonsense. They're worlds. It's the worlds of yeah. DC. Well, uh, this might struggling. be great. This might be great. Uh, and we it is, but... Um, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina has been canceled on Netflix. I know the show had its fans, but we gave it a shot, and oof, it was not good, y'all. I'm gonna watch the final season just because I hate watched the last two. Um, I was the reason I brought up uh, the Katie Keen before that was on CW. It's the same producer that produced both of them that has lost two of his three shows in the in the week. Other one is Riverdale. Thanks. Is Riverdale canceled? Cool. No, 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 no. That one makes money okay. for some reason, and people watch it because it's dumb. Yeah. I will say it's, it's dumb, but it's... Okay. No, I was going to say it's dumb, but I'm sure it's, you know, it's a bunch it's in of the attractive news a lot. teenagers. Yeah. Attractive teenagers yeah. having sex, you know, so... Attractive 27-year-olds playing 16-year-olds. Playing teenage, exactly. I do wonder how, especially for, like, a streaming service like Netflix, like, obviously TV shows, like, most of them, unless they originally declare that they have a specific arc in mind obviously networks want them to go on forever whereas i feel like netflix sometimes will cut their shows like short or just say like the third season will be the final season they gotta wrap up points i always like wonder what the difference or what determines whether or not like when they release the news that it's like it's been canceled versus like oh we actually decided that this is our last season because it's such a great way to wrap up the story bullshit did it does it actually say it i mean it's i read that it's canceled but it it's right winding down anyway. The yeah, one more season gonna... makes sense. I don't know where the hell they'd go from here. They literally have her leading hell with her father, whatever. It, it, I don't know. There's two versions of her. It's, it's a lot. A lot going on. They, they, sounds... they can't keep it on forever. It sounded like to me that like they wanted to continue it. Like the showrunners wanted to continue it for a little bit longer. And then Netflix was like, no, you just get like this, whatever, yeah. however many episodes to wrap it up. Yeah. So. I wouldn't be surprised Clark, you, if somebody was like... There, you get a whole season. Freeform was like, we'll take you. <laughs> all these, like, weird... We'll pass take anything. Yeah, all these, like, property passing back and forth. I mean, I wouldn't... I feel like it has a very loyal fan base. And so, like, a sh- team... I mean, granted, the budget would have to be cut. But, like, a network like Freeform, I mean, how many fucking viewers could it possibly have on an ongoing basis? So they might as well make a regular ad buy for that time. So ABC's, Clark, not you... going to, ABC's not going to want to buy that. I know. I can dream, can I, of watching another show get canceled twice? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Clark, when you, uh, when you do watch the final season, let's do a little Clark's Corner so you can no, recap how ridiculous it was. I won't want to, I will just not want to talk about it. It's going to be awful. <laughs> I'll groan oh, no. and say Michelle Gomez is great, and then that'll be the end of the sentence. Okay. Well, uh, we've got a Kiernan Shipka. I like her. She's, I, I like, like her, her but... but I don't like her in that show. Oh, God, yeah. yeah no, she's an awful character. So, um, Adam, uh, you want to talk us through a couple of trailers that dropped this week? Yeah, so in streaming that's actually successful, uh, two trailers dropped, one for the Umbrella Academy Season 2 on Netflix, and then the other, The Boys uh, Season 2, and actually a sort of hit for a special short film about Billy Butcher on Amazon. So let's take uh, Umbrella Academy First, uh, just as a just to kick off the discussion, it seems like following the last uh, the the previous season, they are now in 1963. Everyone is there, all the wonderful family members with special powers. And I also I don't want to like. There's a guy with a fishbowl head, and in general, I hate flashback stuff. But I'd love to hear what you all are sort of like time traveling, especially when it goes to the past. But I'd love to hear what you all uh, thought and what your impressions were. I'm very happy we got the fishbowl head now. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted yeah, in the first too. season. Because instead, for some reason, we had, whatchamacallit, from Grey's Anatomy showing up for a bit. Who is that, so who is that supposed to be? 
it's supposed to be the same character. They just kind of are going to make her someone else. I don't fucking know what they did there. That was part of why I didn't like it. I wanted Fishbowl. I like the good, like, I like that it was, like, based on the book. Because, obviously, it, it sounds like they're probably going to take potentially more liberties with the second season than maybe they did with the first. But I didn't read the book. Kayla, I know you did. Well, or Clark, both of you. Why was that trailer over three minutes long? After the minute and 35, I was like, oh, it's done. And then I'm like, no, it's just going to keep going. And we're going to say exactly the same thing, but way too much about what's going to happen. And I'm like, Jesus this Christ. wacky family. Hey, <laughs> watch out. It wasn't even wacky. And they just did the same thing six times. Yeah. Um, I did like the second volume of the, gra of the graphic novel a lot. Because uh, the whole thing, you know, to go back to 1963, it's the year of Kennedy's assassination. The plot kind of somewhat revolves around that. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. I was not a big fan of the first season. Clark and I, I think we're um, in solidarity there. Uh, whereas I feel like uh, rare you, thing. yeah. I, no, we actually agree more than we disagree. Uh, well, I like but, to say uh, it's a rare thing. <laughs> I, and I like disagreeing with you. Uh, but, um, but I know Brent and Adam, y'all liked the first season a little bit more or y'all thought it was pretty good. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued for season two, and I'm wondering it's because I just want more content because we're still all you know in the age of COVID. We're all still stuck at home for for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I'll just I'll watch just about anything, even if it's like eh, that's all right. I'm getting a bit stressed out because I know we're not going to have a lot of television next year. So I'm like, hold off some of this stuff. I don't need to see it right now. I can watch. I don't want to literally live through reruns for a full year because we're not going to have functional shows being filmed. Oh my God. It'll be like 2008 all over again, Clark, uh, after the writer's strike when like there was oh, so no content coming. Well, this That's is a sad. I don't like. This is a real quick diversion, but, and I, I know we don't really talk about it, but Halloween Kills, which was supposed to come out in October, mm -hmm. got pushed. The sequel of like what is supposed to be the new Halloween trilogy got pushed to 2021. Um, and it's so interesting you say that, Claire, because like obviously it makes sense because they want to make money when everyone's in the theater, but it also is probably, there's got to be some level of planning on these studios parts of like, we're not going to have any fucking movies next year. So why waste the movies this year? if we can get people in the seats and just take a break this year, like it's, you're, you're bound to be more of a failure next year if you have nothing to show when people are back in, in theaters. Certainly there's that, that calculation though, where, you know, something like Trolls or um, Onward, you know, maybe they're, because they're family films, they yeah. might fare better on, uh, you know, streaming services. But there, I do think that, you know, with the dearth of films and TV shows being released, this year to kind of hold off that some studios might see it as a valuable calculation to release it online. <laughs> if it will upset, say, you know, AMC or whatever film company about that. Oh yeah. Well, Brent, what's your take on Umbrella Academy? So I really think <laughs> that I don't, it's really hard to enjoy a time travel story after having watched Dark because they just yeah. did so, incredibly well and we are going to have a podcast coming out where we review season three and uh, you know talk about the entirety of the show but i get really frustrated with stories about time travel that always go back to the same major moments the yes. big points in time like everything that you read in a textbook or you've heard you've seen on tv previously is the time periods that you, the, the, the years and events you should pay attention to. When, if you do any cursory reading of history, there's tons of other little points that you could pick that would be great fun to explore uh, that had a huge impact on our history, but like no one does those. No one ever saves Where the world would... in World War One. I, I feel like. I feel like I've never yeah, seen Yeah, the thing about, Where not talking about dark that much, but by the, <laughs> The fact that they purposely skipped the entire period of World War One and World War Two, partially because they don't want to show other characters as Nazis, but partially because they <laughs> don't do the whole, like, they don't do the who can stop Hitler kind of thing that happens yeah. in, yeah. basically half of these time travel movies are Hitler and half of them are JFK. We have to go through those over and over and over and over again forever. So if you could go back in time as an adventurer, which era would you go back into time to? 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume generous rules about that. Like wherever I go and whenever I go, I can speak whatever language just fine. And yeah, 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 yeah. not immediately destitute. My main issue is is getting smallpox or giving them some sort of like <laughs> disease that they don't they don't have existence. Right. So I gotta ruin the world by like you, having some like bug on my sleeve, a- allergens you, and stuff. Very okay, concerning. You have immu- you have immunization. You have all the money you need, and you can speak oh the language. Go. I probably picked the Song uh, Dynasty in China, uh, some somewhere. Um, you know, where there's like, it's a huge amount of innovation and technological change and relatively open trade markets. So there's like a lot of diversity in major cities. Um, I think that'd just be very interesting to go see. Um, I I think what they don't, they always deal a lot of the times with like- I mean, kill Hitler, I'll go kill Hitler. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say they always, especially in US shows, they always deal with slavery at the point in time that it was most prominent in the US. But it would be interesting of like, if and when the slave trade started picking up, like do, could you stop that? And what would happen because of that kind of idea? Like if you had to change, like seems like a very pivotal moment in history that would certainly send huge like waves of change. Um, so I just, I always find that interesting that it's, it's usually, it's obviously very American centric, um, but it'd be interesting to see how that kind of story so you mean start. you mean the african slave trade not like yes, slavery all the exactly, way back yeah, at the yeah, beginning exactly. right. right like going back to like the start of the point or even like egypt i think is always a very interesting like during the great time of the pyramids is always like a really interesting time period that people don't play with as much because it doesn't feed directly into our sort of like white american context so really it's like every any plot lines that don't usually involve white Americans I would like to see in more TV shows. Clark, what about you? I was just thinking about the phrase, the great period of the empire. It's a great time of the um, pyramids, I should say. I really, I, I, I thought about that for a minute, but I think I want to go, and since it's me, I want to do second century Ireland um, before the Norse came in and started fucking everything. Not the Norse, excuse me. Or the, they were taken over for 700 years. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Kalen, what about you? I would like to see the, the dinosaurs. Uh, the era of the fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Because I would like to see like um how a you know century spanning empire, like what specifically caused its decline. Like we read about it in history books, but seeing the decay happen and I think um it would be interesting just to see where we are as Americans and seeing, you know, how we're in a bit of a decline right now, or maybe we're just in a bit of a dip and we can kind of get back out of it. Who knows? Um, um, I love the idea that, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, that was like, you have immunization, you could speak the language. Da, 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 yeah. da. And now I'm like, great, let's go back to the ice age. Cause I just love the idea that you show up and you're just like, uh, 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 ooh, da, da, uh, da, and then you just, like die probably very quickly. <laughs> Immediately you show up and someone's so horrified by your appearing in front of them that they beat you over. <laughs> exactly. But, but it, it, it's just Adam. Brent, Clark and I would be just fine. Oh, they would be like, oh, uh, uh, one of us. Uh, uh. Yeah, exactly. No, you got um, a fucking squirrel with an acorn like from the Ice Age movies. Oh, that motherfucking squirrel. Uh, I do have one more uh, thought about Umbrella Academy, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, but mm-hmm. there's so many, we live in a post 9-11 world. We live in such a, like, <laughs> hard time. <laughs> now it's more so, than ever. It's actually, I do think it's related to that because I do think that there is an absurdism that has come out in our art trying to reconcile things that, you know, and truths that people don't want to really deal with. And like, we've gotten to a point now where everything is just so ridiculous. It's so insane. Everything is constantly topping itself. And we're like on on this kind of like burnout. I'm starting to get to the point where when I'm watching TV shows or reading comics or movies or whatever, it's really hard to make a group of people seem actually like absurd or wacky and Mm -hmm. attempts to try and do that 
are starting to feel more and more lame. They're mm -hmm. really resonating very well with me. And this Agreed. to me struck me as like, oh, I mean, you basically are kind of making like an Adams Family movie or something. Like this is not, uh, there's nothing really fresh here that, you know. Well, as I'm just gonna say, it's actually, it's actually my problem with like, we were just talking about DC CW stuff was Legends of Tomorrow. It was like, it benefited them to go a little bit quirkier, but benefited an audience that may not know of the highest quality of like quirky, absurdist, family. You're ex like, you're exactly right. It does feel like tired and true territory as opposed to something like, wow, this is so different and exciting. It's just like, no, it's just another typical smash grab of like weirdos that happen to be family or friends and have to work together to do something and that's kind of well and it's also i mean um the first season came out the same time as the first season of doom patrol and now when umbrella academy come, does come out it'll be when there's at least like six or seven episodes of doom patrol uh available to to, to view and it's like you you can't help but compare them and yep. when you do, Doom Patrol just seems so much more interesting and right. worth watching than, than um, Umbrella Academy, for sure. Right. So, right. When you were right. talking, were you referring to the idiotic slap fight between Ben and Klaus in the dirt? That was like the point where I realized they were trying too hard to make this team. Yes. This is in the preview. They, they have the wacky slap fight in the dirt and Klaus is dressed in some sort of like Jesus gear, basically. Uh, yeah, I was and actually it just It was like embarrassing like, oh, me. What? Klaus well, is being a cult leader. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, he's in the cult leader outfit and slapping in the dirt his brother, and it's all—it's just embarrassing. And that's exactly what I thought when you when when you just said that. I was like, that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to one up everything by making it crazy and wacky and interesting. Look how weird these people are, but they're also just crunching, drawing attention to the fact that that's what they're trying to do and say. Maybe this can be a segue into because uh, I think that. A the show that actually does it a lot better is Boys. Yes. yes. Well, you were just talking about how Doom Patrol does that better. I um, do, does it better by comparison to Umbrella Academy. I think The Boys does it um, in exactly the same way. It, yeah. But not making it, it making weird, not like goofy weird, but obviously violent, crazy weird instead. So there's not a whole lot in the trailer that we really take away besides lots of action, lots of cuts, lots of fun use of a famous uh, music song. But we do know that Billy and the team are somewhat separated for a while. He comes back, they're all on the run. And obviously, um, <laughs> all I can think of right now is like, and Superman's evil now. I forgot what yeah. the name is. <laughs> But in general, the show obviously seems to pick up right where it left off. And I mean, there's a couple, it seems like there's a lot of new heroes. There's a woman with lightning powers. In general, I fucking love the first season. So I am very, very excited. And also, I, I, I was like, Aquaman also got a haircut. I really forgot everyone's name on it. <laughs> he, he, he got his own, he cut his own hair. Right. No, I know. But it's just, in general, I'm very excited. But, and it sounds like, I think we all liked the first season, but I'd love to hear what your, your thoughts were from it. The raw sexual energy of Carl Urban is yes. nerving. Well, that's what I was going to say from the last one quickly, how attractive um, number, f um, number six is in the Umbrella Academy. The, the ghost, the dead one. Ben? Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, hi, hi, Ben. Anyways, he's, 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 he's a cutie. Yeah. Carl Urban. No, I, Carl Urban, yeah, he's a hottie. But also, I love Frenchie. Frenchie is so cute. Yeah, I like Frenchie. That's more, that's, that's what I'm into. Oh, I mean, you, 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 all day, every day. And, and it'll fake Aquaman, clearly, but that doesn't count. I think it'll be interesting to see if they, because, you know, given the popularity of the first season, you know, having a team that's kind of put on the run and made public enemy number one, I'll be interested to see how they try and spin the story so that it can continue further because being on the run forever becomes a pretty boring mm -hmm. trope season after season. There's only so much cat and mouse you can kind of play. So interesting on that point, it, and it, it's, I think it could be there. I'm optimistic that it'll be really interesting, but so there's going to be a break on September 4th when it premieres. There's going to be three episodes that they release together, and then there's going to be the remaining five on a weekly basis. So it's an eight-episode series. And then actually in between that, there's going to be 
a sort of side story for Billy Butcher, essentially, I think, catching up everybody with what he was doing. They tried to write in what was going on with him, I think, ahead or in the second episode, and they realized that it didn't really fit. So they're attempting to kind of bridge that gap. And I, I've always, I actually always like those stories where it's like you might see, I'm, I'm assuming he might turn up in some capacity, like as a time, time jump, like him doing something. And then we get to see what's behind the scenes. I hope it pays off, but I do always, when done well, those sort of like time jumps to fill in blanks or seeing other sides of stories always tend to feel good for me when they're done well. So I'm, I'm interested in that. And I think it's a cool breather to see what happens and it makes the show more interesting because they're not just shoving as many streaming episodes do. I think they shove way too many plot lines together sometime and they don't always think about how to sequence them in the correct order that feels good because it's not based on like network 45 minute shows. It's just 45 minutes of content essentially. Yeah, the boys is one of the few. Possible. The boys is one of the few um, adaptations I think is uh, clearly superior to the source material. Yeah, if you've ever read the comic, uh, and I've read every single issue, and it's oof, it is not aged well. It is full of juvenile humor, um, and just like problematic stuff that like is just you can't you can't do anymore. Uh, the show like just did the first season especially did like such a wonderful job of taking, you know, a fairly, you know, okay concept and really executing it well. So I am excited about the second season. Brent, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to add to Adam's point that I think a show that did that well was Star Trek Discovery, where they had kind of short stories that, you know, are 15 minute kind of mini episodes that you don't really have to watch, but, you know, occasionally you see a character come back or they give you an opportunity to see a character you've seen before. It makes yeah. you feel more full but also in the you know in the tv show it doesn't feel like you're completely confused about who this character is if you haven't seen the additional materials right it's an easter egg that's done well yeah well, yeah no, all right clark yeah. oh go ahead Adam. i was gonna say boys is september 4th and then uh, umbrella academy is uh, july 31st <laughs> Okay, well, as we're heading over to comics to actually talk about them, we've got one big comic news. Um, Johnny Cates has had like an insane week just in terms of the amount of stuff he has geared up and said he's going to be launching uh, three series. Not We don't know which companies they're for. Uh, one is with the creator who he worked with on Cosmic Ghost Rider, which is Dylan Burnett. I don't, and that's the one with the quote-unquote big-ass swords. He's got one with his wife, who's Megan Hutchison. We don't know what that one's about. There's a third one. We have no fucking clue. Plus, oh, what, sorry, excuse me, one, another one with Ryan Stegman as well. And then another set of news we got that may be unrelated, but he is leading a series on Image, for Image Comics uh, called Crossover, which you don't know what the crossover is going to be. Is it going to be like Wildstorm characters or just like a whole new world? Are they shoving comics together? We have no clue what's going on with that. Yeah. And, of course, in the next year or two he's going to be bringing all of his store and venom stuff to a head with the whole null stuff which i didn't realize until this week means fuck in swedish <laughs> that's great what i was we just reading is that it supposedly is worse than fuck i don't know what that means but it is sick it's p-h-u-c-k it's yeah. fuck with a ph yeah adam you're about to say something Oh, I was just going to say, I've heard, and I have insider info, that Crossover is just Please a do. fan, it's like a reboot and a remake of Crossfire, the 80s board game where you shoot marbles at each other. Oh, then oh. you're going to do a CNN show that and, and he's, Carlson and, was on. <laughs> Adam, he's writing uh, it? tell your source that they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Screen Rant knows what it did. Wait, I just need to find a mirror and tell it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah, let me look into the Zoom screen. Yeah. So uh, I didn't realize that Donny Cates was doing crossover. I saw the headline, um, but like it won't be Wildstorm because that's part of DC. Yeah. But, um, but like the, you know, Todd McFarlane, Rob Layfield shit, I, who knows? I think it'd be interesting if they brought in like, they're all of a sudden like it's Walking Dead meets Saga meets Chew meets, yes. you know, Monstrous uh, meets a Descender and Ascender. Like all the various like image titles that are in their own little universe. You, and all of a sudden they're brought together for some weird reason. 
Kaylin, did you ever try to read the Image comics when they did that full crossover of all their series called Image United? Where it was like uh, every 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 failed. writer and artist wrote every single part of their character. So like seven different artists would be in the same scenes with their each of their characters fighting. And I think it only made it through two issues before everyone went crazy and just <laughs> gave up because the writers all hated each other and the artists all hated each other and none of it worked and it was too much work and it, and nobody can keep a deadline. Do you think? Uh, the, I, do yeah. you think they're gonna actually like try to making a functional version of that with much more streamlined art and writing? I think that's probably what they'll what they will probably do. I I not only read that, but uh, do you remember Deathmate in the early '90s? It was oh, an image and image and Valiant crossed over, so it mm -hmm. was like Young Blood and Bloodshot and like God. Hardcore and Wildcat. Don't forget and, about like, Blood Blood. <laughs> <laughs> blood blood and shot shot and like that i remember as a kid being like oh my god it's all my favorite cool stuff no like, no like and like um there was like four different issues and they all had a different color it was black red yellow and blue and valiant did yellow and blue and image did red and black the well, valley they would do red and blue, blue. Yeah, uh, yellow and blue came out on time because Valiant had their shit together, but the art was pretty mediocre. Um, red and black were both late. Red was all the Rob Layfield stuff, and black was all the Jim Lee stuff. And God, that was a fucking disaster of a crossover. Oh no, Valiant probably <laughs> kicks themselves in the face to their this day about it. Yeah. Do you guys want to play our newest game show? Is Donnie Cates doing too much? <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's finished. I, I was concerned about it until he, if I found out he had already finished Baby Teeth. So we're just waiting on that to come out. And that's what I was waiting to hold up for. So I'm fine with whatever he's doing or not doing right now. Yeah, and I think he's going to wrap up his Marvel stuff too if like all the Null stuff is coming to a head. So uh, there's like, 100... doing... Venom is definitely, he's finishing up Venom for sure in the next year. I don't yeah. know if he's going to bring Thor out of the Null stuff or if this is just like a 12 week, a 12, 12 week, 12 month thing for him. Yeah. Uh, I am excited for all his creator own stuff. Like uh, Dylan Burnett was not only the artist in uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, he was the artist on uh, X Force, the mm -hmm. series with Young Cable uh, before Hawks and Pox. So the art's really like fun and quirky. Um, and then Ryan Stegman is his art, is his partner on Venom. And then, like, I love the idea of him working with his wife and, like, mm -hmm. having a very intimate project, you know, about, like, you know, about them meeting, them falling in love. Uh, you know, I think that's, I like seeing stuff like that. I think, um, you know, when creators do that, you see a lot of, like, heart and soul uh, in the end product. But uh, yeah, I don't why don't we go? Oh, go ahead, Clark. I was going to say, I haven't read anything that he's done that hasn't been fantastic. So even if he might be close to burnout, it doesn't seem like he is based on it. Yeah, let's just, let's just burn him out. And then, <laughs> and then just never produce bad work. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some comics that came out this week. So we had X-Force number 10, the first X book in like we've had in about three weeks, give or take. Uh, Empire, Fantastic Four, uh, number zero. And then the next uh, <laughs> volume of Deceased, uh, Dead Planet, uh, number one. So starting with X-Force, um, it was a good thing that I reread issue number nine uh, before going into issue 10 because yes. of all the Terra Verde stuff. Um, I really liked this issue a lot uh, because I like the idea of a, well, Terra Verde being a fictional country, but them trying to develop their own version of Krakoa uh, in order to be competitive on, you know, the real politics stage and it being just a horrible monster. There was like a lot of, uh, body horror stuff with like plants coming out of people's faces and eyes and ears that reminded me a lot of Midsummer, uh, that like really kind of fucked with me in a good way. Uh, I liked mm -hmm. the interaction of Quentin Quire, Wolverine, and Domino all together on the mission. I like uh, Jean Grey calling Beast out on his utter like um, bastardness. Um, and I liked the end scene, which basically confirmed the sort of the poly. Uh, uh, you know, romantic nature of a lot of the X characters with uh, Wolverine and Jean having a very intimate moment in the hot tub at Krakoa. So what do you guys think? It, and um, and Wolverine saying that Colossus has a big everything 
Yeah. Oh, he has a big yeah, heart. I, I know that's not what they meant, maybe, but I no, was no, thinking it the they, wrong way. What is the other way of saying that? <laughs> he, he, uh, he's just a big guy in general. He could have said he also has a big heart, but he didn't say that. <laughs> He's, he's, he's got big, big fucking balls. All balls, Colossus. That's what he said. Big yeah. and metal, metal balls, yeah. like Benoit balls. All the uh, all body horse I was getting was was uh, annihilation. Yeah. That uh, yes. Too. Yes. 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 Very uh, plants absorbing us back into the earth, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just happy that Beast is getting Chad on all the time because he is awful. Yeah. I, uh, everyone hates him. I'm very pleased with that. But yeah, it's it's especially because with Mew and Madness are reading kind of thing. It's been fun to watch the evolution of Beast as a shithead. And I know that I'm always a little bit like I always hate that. It's always the scientists that always end up taking things too far or too dramatic, and that always like it's obviously Marvel doesn't have like an anti-science mentality, but that's usually how they play up all of their, like no matter how smart you are, you always end up going bad because of how smart you are. But what I did, uh, what I've continued to enjoy is how much they fuck with Quentin. Cause like, obviously he <laughs> got the worst and he's like such an asshole. And I just love that they basically, it's very Aeon flux in nature where almost every mission he goes on, he ends up dying horribly yeah. or being completely maimed beyond repair. So I kind of, I feel like it's got to be in uh, the writer's head that it's like, yeah, he deserves this a little bit compared to everybody else. So I, as always, I, I really like X-Force and I think it's a lot of, what I like about it too is that it's not a lot of people. And I think it's smart to do the sort of splits between the recon versus the action mm-hmm. teams or the investigation versus action. Because it was pretty <clears throat> interesting to watch them basically flip and have Domino and all that team go on recon and then Gene kind of save the day or you know use use their powers to transform it. So it's a, it's a definitely a good return for for the comic, and I'm I'm certainly interested to see where it goes next. And I love the I called it the fuckball special, which is Wolverine <laughs> referring to Colossus. Uh, yes. the giant balls. that's great. And hopefully, also penis. Yeah. But if he doesn't have the, the deep, deep ball special, <laughs> the deep ball special. Oh God, I was uh, that would- I. I'm still waiting on Black Tom because you know whatever happens with him is going to be absolutely crazy the way yeah. they're holding off on it and only showing bits yeah. and pieces. I agree. So no, um, it's a good Maguire. return. Oh, sorry, Kellen. No, I'm just saying it's a good return to form. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say Quentin Choir made uh, an interesting, perhaps foreshadowing statement about if he could run Krakoa, here's mm. how he Um And then, you know, they you know, rip him apart and turn him into a, a flower, which is yeah. <laughs> kind of like continuing, you know, if you're going to kill your X-Men characters, there's something like nice about how, yeah, they're, they, they do take certain deaths seriously and they want to continue the story, but they also recognize that if you trivialize death, then you have to go all in. Yeah. Pretend like it's serious. So it's still <laughs> horrifying every mission to have his head chopped off or to have his like body turn into like a giant spore for this, you know, plant hive mind thing. I was gonna say I saw the Krakoa sort of if I ruled Krakoa as a reference. What didn't he take? That's like the entire one of the entire storylines for New X Men, right? Like he took over the school with a bunch of people. Yeah, right, right. Xavier. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what, like I'm like I thought that was like kind of a cute. As you said it, I didn't I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, Brandon. I was like, oh, that's also a cute throwback to like when they actually did take over the original school for a while. There's a reason why X-Force and Marauders are just like moving up um, for me as like the, uh, my favorite Dawn of X books because they deal with the politics of Krakoa uh, vis-a-vis other countries really well. And that's the stuff that I love. It's the stuff that I love in uh, Christopher Priest's Black Panther run back in the 90s and early aughts. Um, it's the stuff that I love in like, like superhero and like sort of sci-fi fantasy universes. The stuff that I really dug about Game of Thrones back when it was good. Um, and so them delving into this, like, I'm like, yes, more, more, more. Give me more of this, of them having to be a real CIA type, black ops type uh, intelligence uh, entity within a sovereign nation. Like, it makes 100% sense. It is one of the best reasons for an X Force type book to exist. Definitely. 
Uh, shall we move on to Empire Fantastic Four number zero? Let's do it. So um, my interest in Empire was waning even after the Avengers issue that came out a few weeks ago. And uh, it's now back uh, with Fantastic Four number zero. I really, really enjoyed this issue a lot. Um, Dan Slott has some interesting ticks where like some of his jokes just fall flat for me. But it, I have the same issue with them that I have with Peter David sometimes. Like I'm like, some of your jokes I just want to roll my eyes at. But like mm. Peter David, he, he understands how to write a, a, a good narrative and he understands how to world build properly. And I love the idea of the profiter as like an elder of the universe. Are they um, new? Profiteer? Yeah. Profiteer. Is the profiteer a new? Because I know it's the sister of Grandmaster. Uh, yeah, she's sister? new as of this, okay. of this year. Got it. I like. Yeah, no, I did like her. Sorry, Grandmaster. Yeah, yeah um, I like the idea of her wanting to keep the status quo of the Krull, uh, the Skrulls, and the Kree <laughs> fighting each other. Sorry, I'm going to keep saying that, Krulls. Uh, the Skrulls <laughs> and the Kree uh, fighting each other um, uh, because that's what's good for business. Um, and I like that, like, there is not the right solution. Is like, uh, these two empires fighting each other keeps the status quo and keeps them at bay. Them united together is a terrifying force coming towards, coming towards yeah. Earth, really. Um, so I, I, again, going back to what I was saying about X-Force, like, the, the real politics of, uh, of mutants vis-a-vis -vis humans... I like the idea of the intergalactic real politics that's happening as well. Uh, and I am like now very intrigued with Empire once again. And like, I think I'm... my, go ahead, Clark. No, you're fine. I'm not really no, no. sure if this should not have been the first zero shot. The other okay. one was so in depth and Agreed. just, I love all the stories that combine into it, but it was nonsensical. Yeah. Just throwing stuff like, hey, did you know this happened in 1997? And you're like, fuck, no, I didn't. Now I've got to go read that. And the fact that it was um, fucking Iron Man doing all the talking, which made it made no sense and impersonal as fuck. The whole thing was stupid as shit. And I was let down like crazy. But this series, this issue was so much better. It gave you the, uh, the heart and the warmth and also gave you all the information you should have had immediately. Not all this extra yeah. shit that you could like, you could get that along the road. This was, that was the fucking huge speed bump, which hopefully will not derail the car further. I think they yeah. only flipped the issues to make that weird reveal that like, are the Fantastic Four part of this empire that's yeah. coming? Like, it was like- that, the That's dumb. not worth it. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was it obviously went away with one issue. And I completely agree with you, especially as someone who kind of realize that I'm like, oh, we don't read the Revengers, so I don't know these characters. So it's an, it seems like it'll maybe it'll be an interesting story, but the stakes aren't there for me. Whereas this was like, I think exactly what you're saying, Kayla, like a lot more, and both of you, like it's a lot more homey. You get to settle in with these people. It's a, it's a fun story within and of itself. Like it's a kind of almost an episode of the week if it wanted to be but like it leads into this giant thing that I'm like, oh, of course it really, and it also explained everything a lot better. Like it's, yeah. it's, it was so much quicker and easier to understand. And especially having someone that hasn't read the Kree Scroll War and also just read Incoming and was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like it was like, oh, okay, this really sets it up. I'm ready to read this now and hopefully see interesting key players in this. So in, yeah. Incoming should not have happened as many months ago as it did. Oh God! No. If this actually came out in April, it still shouldn't have been five months. But when they showed the stuff that was actually the start of this story, no, made no yeah. sense. Doesn't matter. It's very strange. The whole yep. setup for this. So I I will add to Kalen, uh, you know, kind of liking the the politics structure of all this. I do think I thought it was an interesting character moment for Reed Richards to be interested in the currency system just being completely dissolved. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And how the other characters just didn't seem to pick up how big of a deal that was. And they're like, well, we'll just barter. And like, no, maybe this might be like very important. Um, I also think that the, the B plot of the kids in Canto Bite uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make money in the casino. At first it was like, okay, so they're like super geniuses and they think they're going to win. I thought it became interesting and kind of a fun story when Sue, you know, uses her invisibility to actually manipulate the games and she decides to join in uh, before punishing them. 
to me, it just made it yeah. seem like, oh, this is a real family. Uh, people aren't, you know, perfect and, you know, there, there, there's like a necessity for opportunism if you're trying to make it out of a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I also like the, the two kids, the Skrull uh, and the Kree mm-hmm. kids who are fighting each other. I like their little banter. Uh, I, love the that, like, yeah. I, I love the thing that was like, oh, they're so cute. These are little chipmunk names. Like, and they're like, mm-hmm. we will kill you and like play your skin. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> but you have to imagine it in a high-pitched kid voice, Caitlin. <laughs> Oh, uh, I am. I, I definitely am. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited. Uh, the first issue of Empire is going to be coming out next week. So they're going to get right into the actual saga. So uh, the last issue uh, that we reviewed this week was uh, Deceased Dead Planet number one. And I went back because um, we reviewed the sort of the one shots that were coming out on uh, uh, online. Last week, I went back and reread issues one through six and, and that one shot that was uh, part, of the, part of the original series to get ready for volume two. And uh, I found myself liking Deceased a lot more, reading it, you know, in, in, one, you know, in one chunk. And I think part of it is also, uh, it's sort of, it felt more timely because we're in the midst of a pandemic. And it's not like the anti-life equation that's happening in, in Deceased, obviously. We're not turning into not zombie monsters, but um, it just felt more, um, it felt more relevant. I really liked the beginning of this first issue, uh, which kind of like, uh, you know, takes place a few years after the end of the first volume of them on, on quote unquote Earth 2. Uh, they get like the, uh, the distress signal from Cyborg, who's just ahead after he's been decapitated by a turned Wonder Woman. And the whole thing is uh, relying on the fact that um, there actually is a cure for this, uh, for this anti-life uh, virus that's been going around. Uh, and so it gives, it gives um, this volume, even though it's gonna be super violent and super dark, a little bit more hope than what was the first volume, which was just grim, dark, you know, death, death, death. Um, yeah, so what did you guys think? Which was actually how the story was pitched. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be grim, dark, death, 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 death. death. I liked it. I think as a, it's probably going to succeed so much more at the end of this as like a fully collected super edition of every single comic and potentially like with the one shots we were talking about, maybe even inserted sort of timeline order. Cause I think there's a lot in the first six issue series to sort of fill in, to give you that heart. Um, but, and, and this is probably my Tom Taylor and justice love just kicking in, but like, I just, he does a really good job of like being able to just pick up with characters and like continuation of the storyline. So seeing Damien as Batman and Connor all grown up, like I thought it was a really cool connection. The time jump is huge for it. I think it like lends itself to be an actual sequel and a separate storyline while also still helping make the original better. Um, so overall I'm interested, obviously it was a pretty dramatic issue with the uh, de- uh, I will say Tom Taylor loves killing uh, Ollie Green Arrow because uh, he is constantly dying in every single one of Tom Taylor's series uh, or at least turning into a super zombie um, but I-, I really I liked it and and it's actually it continues to be I, I just never really cracked the DC nut and so like I know these characters at least from a comics form like I like the cartoons and can really kind of get behind the characters, but it's, it's usually always Tom Taylor writing these characters where I'm like, he plays their relationships really nicely. And I think that maybe that's what I like so much about it. It feels like a warm comfort as a companion piece to Injustice because he tends to play these characters in the same perspective, but just in different universes, essentially. The other thing I really liked about it is one of my favorite things about DC that's sort of been kind of been done away with over the last few years is the idea of generations. Um, mm-hmm. And so having, you know, John Kent be the next Superman, having Damian Wayne being the next Batman, having Cassie being Wonder Woman, uh, I really like that idea. Like, they, these are mantles that are being, like, passed down uh, over the years. Um, and the rumor is, in the regular DCU, um, is once Death Metal finishes, that they're going to try to do this whole, like, G5 thing, um, which will bring back the generations. But that's, there's, you know, a lot of conflicting information about that, but. 
Uh, what did you guys make of uh, uh, Superman just sitting in the sun, consuming it? I loved it. I fucking loved it. What did what happened to him at the end? I thought he was thrown into the sun, right, or something. He went. Yeah, he went into the sun to be able to um, uh, get all the solar energy, which is how Superman gets his powers. Um, and that was the reason uh, when, like, the Green Lantern Corps and the one of the Guardians of the Universe, I think it was Gambit, uh, the end of the first series, basically says, "Look, like." there is no hope for this world. You have to leave. You've got to get on these arcs and find a new world and the Green Lantern Corps will help you. Because uh, the whole thing was like, super, with Superman being in the sun, him slowly absorbing the, uh, the heat and energy meant that um, all the planets in the solar system, Earth especially, would eventually like just go into an ice age and just become a cold, dead planet. So I really, I it's was, like one of those like... Infected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Superman was infected. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all the all the all the main heroes, the big three, were all infected. Yeah, Batman took himself out, right? Didn't I think that Batman? Well, uh, or, Alfred took him out. Yes, that's right. And then Wonder Woman is technically still alive. Well, undead, if you will. Oh, well, now yeah. she's dead. She had a sword <laughs> put in her chest. So. You never know. You never can tell when in and the of world course, of she's DC. the key. Yeah. Um, no, very exciting. I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. So next week, uh, we've got the fifth episode of Doom Patrol. We've got Empire number one, as I mentioned earlier. We've got Death Metal number two. And then the X book that's coming out is a giant size issue. It's one for Magneto, which I'm pretty excited about. Magneto being one of my favorite X characters of all time. So hopefully um, it's a little bit better than the Jean Grey and Nightcrawler issues, uh, which were, you know, eh, mediocre. Um, but um, I'm excited that we're getting Xbooks back. Should be All fun. Right. We've been, we've mm. been Homo Superior. Find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Interact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Have a good night. Bye. Bye, guys.